At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast. Back for another week and back with our alternative end of season awards show. The football, in a domestic sense, is mostly done. And we are ready to look back at the season and examine some of the things that maybe your standard awards ceremonies wouldn't quite give you. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host there. And I'm joined by the rank of Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing, mate? Thank you for saying almost over. I, like everyone else, is really looking forward to the uh, La Liga 2 playoff final second leg between Levante and Alaves next Sunday. Yeah, well, I mean... You're not joking, are you? See. No, I'm not joking either. No, I will also I'm be not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think the Tercera season or, or uh, the regional season in Spain goes on far longer into the summer. So we're not quite done yet. But uh, yeah, mostly. Of course, Norway's say. only really just started, hasn't it? MLS is just beginning. It, it really is. It really is a summer of football if you want it to be there. And of course, we have the Women's World Cup to, to look through as well and get excited about. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones, getting excited about all the big movers and shakers this summer. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's actually, well, yeah, the transfer window is opening as people are listening to this. So um, I, I think the transfer window opening date has been proved to be pretty much a waste of time. Um, there's already been loads of transfers, so I'm not sure... Mm why that exists um <laughs> there you go it is officially opening now so we can step it up but yeah there's uh oh well it's absolute chaos already isn't it it's um it's mental we've already seen yeah. Messi go and now we've got Mbappe where's this come from right. Well, this is it. I feel this is probably where we should start today's episode because in the early hours or the early hours of Tuesday morning, the late hours of, of Monday night, depending on how you look at this and where you are in the world, I suppose, there 
was another twist in the eternal Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid merry-go-round, Paris versus Perez. What are we on, V5 at this point? So yeah. it looks like Kylian Mbappe is not going to activate the extra year in his contract, and therefore his contract with PSG would be up next summer in 2024. Now, PSG have zero interest, apparently, in lo losing him for free. And so therefore does look like potentially Kylian Mbappe is back on the market. Dean, it feels like it was coming, right? I mean, I thought this was the case a couple of years ago. Um, we were all we were all set for it, weren't we? Um, then he announced his, his extension. Was even last year? Totally lost of time. Last year. Um, and, and then, you know, he's standing on the shirt with a Mbappe 2025 shirt. He's decided that ain't going to be a thing, uh, potentially 2024. But as you say, PSG would rather he went now if that was the case. He sent them a letter to tell them he won't be uh, be staying. That's nice of him because they weren't expecting it. Oh, a surprise post is a, a very rare thing these days. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it's usually Mostly not a tax news bill. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. You, nothing of a good comes in the post and this is proof. <laughs> yeah, you really don't get much good in, in the post. When I was younger... I used to do this thing where I would just like write to loads of football clubs and I would say, I'm a new football fan and I'm trying to decide which team to support. Could you send me some things about your club to help me with your decision? And like throughout the next couple of months, I'd every now and then just get a random package through the door and it'd be like an Everton program or like uh, uh, a Liverpool, I wasn't Liverpool, I didn't write to them. But Man United scarf, like all the clubs used to send something like that was proper surprise post. I loved it. Every time the <laughs> postman comes, I was like, what have they sent me? It might be Did an you awesome come up with surprise and great. secret shirts? Was it you that came up with it in like 1990? Uh, no one ever sent me a surprise shirt. I used to get like um, signed photos. I used to get like uh, a card from the squad. It was, I would like might try it again, actually. Maybe that's maybe that's something I might try for next season. I'm going to write to all the clubs <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll let you all know what, what we get through the post. But um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, landing spots for Mbappe are few and far between. Um, in the Premier League, there there aren't many. Real Madrid's the most obvious one. By the time people are listening to this, it, this story would have been backwards and forwards about 100 times because this morning alone, it's been like, Chelsea are leading the race for Mbappe. Nope, Chelsea are not interested in signing Kylian Mbappe. Real Madrid are interested. Man United might be interested if this takeover goes through. So, okay, let's all just calm down for a second. He's literally just sent the letter um well, it's exciting because psg have fallen apart and uh, as a result we've got um yeah these big names making big moves yeah i mean sam i do worry about this move obviously the the links to real madrid have been there forever and i can completely understand the concept of mbappe also watching erling Haaland win the champions league in the treble uh, and thinking oh god maybe the big the big norwegian meet meat machine is going to overtake me. So I, I can understand the trepidations <laughs> there around that and therefore the desire to maybe move onwards. But I would say that Real Madrid feels like an awkward fit as far as I'm concerned. He spent the last couple of years telling everyone he's not a number nine, not a striker, doesn't want to play yeah. through the middle on his own. And he's more comfortable off the left where Real Madrid have their best player in Vinicius Junior, who's about to take the number seven shirt that has been uh, 
vacant, I suppose. It hasn't been. Eden Hazard's had it, but he hasn't actually worn it very much. Um, <laughs> it does feel like a strange... Did Mariano Diaz have it at some point? Come on, mate. Mariano Diaz at some point. Yeah, 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 it has. Yeah, it's had, it's had a lot of owners. None have really paid up to, to, to its, its legacy, I suppose. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has a habit of doing this. Man United's number sevens after he left were rubbish. Real Madrid's number sevens have been rubbish. It's a bit like when Voldemort was turned down for the defence against the Dark Arts job at Hogwarts and they put a curse on it. It does feel a little bit down those kind of parts. Anyway, the point is that where Mbappe fits into this Real Madrid team doesn't feel obvious right now. And that presents a potential problem. Yeah, I mean, if he's true to his word and he wants to play off the left, then um, there's one of the very, very, very few people in world football that can hold a candle to Mbappe's ability on the left wing already present uh, at Real Madrid, as you say. And he's just taken the seven shirts. So it is a slightly awkward fit. Uh, the problem for Mbappe is if he's decided he doesn't want to be at PSG, as Dean says, there aren't really very many clubs in the world that can afford this kind of deal. Um, and even if another club, like let's let's say, for example, and you know, this... this <laughs> This doesn't sound quite fair, but Liverpool, having missed out on the Champions League, are presumably not eligible for killing Mbappe. Yeah. So, but like, if Liverpool tried really, really, really hard, they might be able to cobble together something that could attract Mbappe. But he'd still say no, because they're not in the Champions League. Which means we're genuinely looking at, for a player at this price and this wage and this status, it's a short list of like four, maybe three, possibly two, or maybe it's just Real Madrid. And so he's backed himself into a bit of a corner here, I think, you know, you know, going so sort of public and so firm on it. And obviously, you know, frankly, just declining the Real Madrid move to start with, you know, on a free transfer when it was right there for him. This is interesting. And I'm not convinced it ends well for him just because I can't really see a massive solution for him. Nothing, nothing's really leaping out to me. Uh, correct me if you guys have spotted something, but I just can't see like a all. Oh, Perfect. He slides in there. I can't see it anywhere in the world. Barcelona. And what actually boggles my mind? I, they can't afford him. No, they can't. But <laughs> they if can't they could, him. but if they could, that's actually the place where his profile fits best. I think. Great, great. Yeah, but they, sadly, sadly, they can't afford him. Really, um, what boggles my mind is that um, in the space of one summer, guys, one summer, all three of them might leave. Neymar persistently linked with a move away. Saudi Arabia links Newcastle, all sorts of stuff. And Mbappe now trying to force a move and a Messi already gone. The Messi, Neymar and Mbappe trident might all depart in the space of two months, which is mad, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Well, they said they wanted to rebuild. There you go. I'm not sure this is what they had in mind. Uh, but they were looking to rebuild around Mbappe, weren't they? There was all this talk about, you know, they were going to sign players from the Paris region and like get a new identity to this team. I mean, there's been no signs of not just signing players from Paris up to this point, but uh, that was the, the message that was, that was coming out. Um, but now they're just losing another one. And mm. yeah, it's, it, it's a strange one. I mean, Real Madrid still remains the most obvious place. Florentino Perez recently said that um, they would sign Mbappe one day. He said it won't be this summer, but that was before this happened. And they're, they're, they're not really going to, let an opportunity like this go by without giving it a go. I know Mbappe ideally doesn't want to play through the middle, but he's just going to have to. <laughs> it's going to be no choice. Like he's going to Can have he play to off the go. right? Rodrigo up front um, or Firmino, you know, sign Firmino on a free and be a facilitator and Mbappe moves to the right. Be quite nice. Not, be quite nice. It's not yeah. perfect, but like if he wants to play wide, not through the middle, like is that an option? Yeah. Possibly. Um, 
I also don't see why I just can't play through the middle. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all have our ideal because, scenarios. Because, mate, because the space is out wide. That's why. Yeah. Mm. If he's going to force himself into this situation, though, he's got to have thought of the repercussions of it and what's, mm. what's you know, what's how this is going to be able to open up. And, you know, he must also know that Vinicius plays in that spot. So, um, yeah, it should be pretty obvious. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's a very interesting summer at PSG. I think it's one of those ones that we've got to be keeping an eye on in pretty much all occasions. Because if they do go, then this is set up for a massive rebuild. Um, and and how they yeah. kind of approach that, that we know that there's interest in Bernardo Silva. We've already spoken about that. It doesn't feel like that move for Hugo Ekateke has has worked out. Whether he'll be moved on this summer or not is is a different question or, you know, he hasn't been given that many opportunities. And I think that's probably, it would be unfair to judge him on this period, but whether they think that he is now the man that they can rely on to lead a new era forward, uh, I have my doubts uh, at this point, whether, whether he is or not, whether, whether PSG would actually pursue that kind of project. So what this front line looks like next season is anybody's guess, right? Yeah. And how are you supposed to get a manager in? Um, like, how are PSG supposed to attract and acquire a manager of the caliber that they would see as befitting PSG? So one of the very best in the world. You know, we're talking about someone like, you know, Nagelsmann. If they can't really say to him, like, is that what's my, what's my forward line going to be? And they go, I don't know. I don't know, mate, really. We'll have to see. What do you mean we'll have to see? Like, that's not really how it works, is it? If, you, if you're being courted by PSG like how can you not know what your front line looks like it's it's mm. remarkable um this is a bit of a rebuild you know Ramos is, is is seemingly going to go they're going to lose a couple of others if that entire front three goes as well I know they did sort of skew towards youth last summer when they signed you know Vitinha um and they got younger in midfield and they're looking at you know Kangin Lee uh reportedly who's obviously you know under 23 they are skewing younger I get it but like PSG's ambitions and their actions aren't really lining up right now. And um, Mbappe, you know, trying to leave really underlines that point. So I don't know. I don't know like how they're supposed to get their ducks in a row and attract a manager under these circumstances. How can you really carry out these negotiations with any clarity? Yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the midfield looks quite strong now in terms of profiles and, and how they look going forward, especially if, the, if Agate does go through and it does come off. Um, the defense, I think losing Ramos and bringing Skridiar is in, is not a particularly poor trade. That's fine. That, that works out quite nicely for me. It's just a question of how it looks in this front line. Um, and, and that's going to be a, a question that bombards the entire summer before they even think about what, who's going to, who's going to manage this team. So it's going to be one we'll be keeping an eye on DJ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, we'll be doing transfer shows throughout the summer. A few of them here, not not every week. We won't be doing transfers, but I imagine a fair bit of it will be. But on Patreon, there's going to be a lot of transfer stuff. Um, so yeah, if you if you want your transfer feel, get over there. And when anything breaks like this, we will try to jump on and just assess each situation as they come and go. Absolutely. The link is in the description as ever. Right after the break, we are going to be going into our alternative awards for this season. So don't go anywhere. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. 
I'm Margot Robbie and I play Barbie. And I'm Ryan Gosling and I play Ken. Max is now the exclusive streaming home of Barbie. So cool. And the Max with Ads plan is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. Don't miss Barbie now streaming on Max. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. These terms and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to the Ranks FC end of season awards, not guarantee you won't get some of these categories at the PFA ceremony. So you can start with Dean Jones, who's gone for coolest player. <laughs> the coolest player of 2023. Um, this should probably be a real award, I think. This is this, this matters in, in football. You, you want to have your own brand as well as the, your team brand. And I've gone for coolest player of 2023 as Jack Grealish. Um, but if I had to choose to be a footballer right now, I think I'd just want to be Jack Grealish. Like, he always looks good. He's like down to earth. Like, he's, he's, he's a regular lad. He loves a drink, quite clearly. He's brilliant at what he does. He's just won the treble. He can have pretty much any girl he wants. He's stylish. He's relatable, which I think is is really good thing about him. He's quite endearing. Um yeah, someone I just think, like, if I was a player, this is who I would want to be. He's got a bit of everything. Um, I'm not saying it's all ideal. I mean, the, the drinking things have got a little bit out of hand the last few days. For a he's having a good time. But uh, we're going to, like, he's not going to win the treble many times in his life. But, um, yeah, I would probably be doing the same thing. And, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying drinking is cool. But Jack Grealish is so cool. Like, he dresses cool. His hair is cool. He's got a bit of everything about him. Yeah, I just imagine like whenever he, like on a night out, he's clearly front and center. We've all got a mate who's front and center of a night out. Um, sometimes they're not that cool. Sometimes they are just loud and <laughs> and in, insist that they get the, the attention they want. But Jack Grealish, I imagine that everyone's like perfectly happy to go along for it most of the time. That he is the coolest guy in the room to so let him do what he wants. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just loads of fun, wasn't it? It was iconic, what we've seen from this weekend. I enjoyed some of the interviews where he was like, I haven't slept in three days. I was like, I actually bang it's on you. to this man. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and, and I think that there's an element of these days where we talk about footballers and we talk about them looking after themselves. And there's always these, you know, different bits about who's who's great and i read a brilliant piece by joel goldby the other day it was basically like jack Grealish is the soul of this manchester city team in a, in a team where 
you know, there's there's little bits to cling on to in, in certain regards. And they're just so polished and so good that actually at times it feels so kind of drilled in that they're just going to win and win and win. And Grealish is kind of the opposite of that. He's just like your mate who's out there who's just unbelievably good at football. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He, you can imagine him just popping down for a five-a-side with his mates when he's back home over the summer. You can imagine, you know, just sitting in, in, in the local pub having a few beers. And I do think there's an element of that where, you know, Erling Haaland basically being like, he's the most incredible athlete that maybe the world has seen in a long time. And what we're seeing from him, where he's like to Grealish, don't go out drinking, come and sit in his ice bath and check that shot, mate. And, and, and I think that that kind of <laughs> dichotomy and that the duality of that relationship is always important for, you know, just remembering that these are people. And the point is that, that, that Joel Golby was raising in this article, he was like, I've seen people recently being like, what would what would have happened? How good a career could Ronaldinho have had if he didn't if he wasn't going out drinking? Like this is Ronaldinho. He's one of the greatest players of all time. What do you mean? How good a career could he have had? He was the eternal trickster, right? Like the mm. the kind of smiling devil, and 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 so much of that was so part of his character and wrapped into it that it's made him what he was. And I think very similarly about Greenish. You know, he is not going to ever be, and he can't, and he said that he won't ever be that person who's in the gym at eight a.m. loving it. But he's like, I work out how to balance these things. And watching him succeed this season has been a joy and a delight as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, in terms of like the way he looks after himself, generally, he's got him. You can't be in a Pep Guardiola team as regularly as he is if you are not physically capable and like doing your hard work in the gym at the same time mm. as you're having a good time of things. And um, it's about finding that balance. I mean, there's definitely like elements of his personality you could see back when Gaza was like emerging as a clown of the England team. Like there are definitely some times when you look at Grealish and you're like, he is just like the modern day Gaza in many aspects, but he's, he's got that, that extra bit of um, desire with his career probably that, and the, the focus that perhaps Gaza could just never get. And in Guardiola, he's got the perfect man to make sure that he stays on the straight and narrow. Um, so after this um, little bender that he's been on, uh, he he he'll have he's got to report to England now. Yeah, I'm not sure how he's going to manage that. Um, Southgate's got the got the five city players that are English all reporting in the next two days. Um, and he said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll have a look at them and see if they're they're good to play the first game. Trust me, they won't not. be. No, they're they not. won't be. No, yeah. <laughs> and they shouldn't be. They should they should they should be allowed to wind down for this moment. But yeah, Jack Grealish, man, he's just so cool. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy this and I like it and I'm happy for Jack. So I'm willing to accept this trophy being given out. We will send Jack his trophy in the post. Ranks FC coolest player of the season, 22-23. Uh, over to you, Sam, for most dramatic player. Jack Reed. No, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's Jack Reed. <laughs> I mean, it could be it could be Jack Grealish, but I think if you're looking at pure drama here, you're not just looking at positive vibes. You're looking at a mix of positive and negative. And I think that there has been no more dramatic footballer in 2022-23 than Gio Reyna. He turned the USA's World Cup campaign into a mini soap opera, despite them being a genuinely successful team at that tournament and having all the good stories in the world on the pitch. Somehow it was still overshadowed by one man only playing about 50 minutes. Um, he got... He nearly got sent home from the tournament, mid-tournament for poor training levels. There was apparently a captain's meeting with the manager to discuss whether or not he should be sent home. Uh, decided not to, and he apologized to the team. 
His parents got involved. They complained to the uh, US Federation about Geo's playing time and said that it wasn't enough. When the coach, Greg Berhalter, decided not to budge, a longtime friend of his, Geo Reyna's dad and mum, decided to report an incident of domestic violence uh, pertaining to Greg Berhalter from 1991 as some kind of weird retribution for not starting him in the World Cup. He came back, tried to put it all, you know, water under the bridge, let's move on. But the drama kept following him, guys. Late winner in a 4-3 win over Augsburg, basically as soon as he returned from the World Cup. 92nd minute winner against Mainz. A 95th minute assist on the final day to level it. Everything that Reiner did in the second half of the season following the soap opera of the World Cup was dripping in drama. He couldn't just score a normal goal in like the 50th minute to make it 2-0. That was impossible for Gio Reyna. Everything he did had to be in the 92nd, 93rd, 94th, 95th minute, had to be a winner, had to be an equalizer. On top of what happened over the course of uh, the, the, the Qatar events, I don't see it any other way. Gio Reyna is his own TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, dramatic, um, that was fair. It has been very dramatic. I completely agree. I completely agree. Has um, he played a lot of football, really? Considering no, no, but <laughs> no. like he's had his moments, hasn't he? He's had those really good moments and, and really tough ones. It, it, it has been. It's felt like a lot this season for Gio Reyna, and <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been a lot, and I think he's going to have to, you know, find a space next year to step up. And if he wants to, you know, be a mainstay of that US MNT team, then he needs to find a space to become a mainstay within this Dortmund team first. I think, and and. There's a lot going on all the time around him, but I, I do appreciate that you know some of that is out of his control. Um, yep. But he has been incredibly good dramatic value. It has been a soap opera of the season for Gio Reyna. Yeah, so here's hoping on Gio Reyna's behalf for just a totally normal 2023-24 campaign. Let's just go with 2,000 minutes, some pretty normal goals. And nothing else, yeah? Go on, Gio. Take a step forward. We're all rooting for you here because we want you to succeed. We want you to just have a normal, normal year. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Okie dokie. Right, let's go on to the third award, which I'm going to give out to the most watchable team in Europe this season. Uh, and as per, I have a couple of honourable mentions. One of them will feel very familiar. Borussia Dortmund have been as watchable as ever in both senses of the word. Now, obviously, this campaign has ended in brutal disappointment with them missing out on the title with it in their own hands on the final day. But by God, they made this interesting. They made it exciting. And they were loads of fun to watch. They, they absolutely put teams to the sword. They you know, flew through sides when they finally, finally got to that iteration of Alain Adeyemi and Daniel Marlin as a front three. And they were heaps of fun until the final day where it all just got too much. So an honourable mention for Borussia Dortmund and an honourable mention for Toulouse, who came 13th in Liga. So this might be a bit of a surprise shout for some people. But they got promoted. They won the French Cup. Um, and they've just been like sort of Genuinely loads of fun. They've beaten some big sides. They've beaten the likes of Monaco um, on the final day of the season. They beat Auxerre 5-0. They lost 6-1 to Marseille. They you know, won 4-2 against Montpellier. They've put up some big scorelines this season. And also they have some really, really fun players. For a team 
they were promoted from Ligue 1 last year to finish 13th, win the cup, um, and and play some some really exciting young talent. Branko van der Boomen has been there for a, a while now. He's I think he's going to be joining Ajax at the end of the summer, but he's been an absolute creative force. Reese Healy, the Englishman who's decided to spend his time wandering through the lower leagues and then going out to Toulouse and being an absolute superstar for them as they've as they've gone onwards um, has been remarkable uh, as well. They, they've been loads of fun. Um, it's a really diverse niche squad. They've got a really cool analytics department behind them. Uh, and I, I'm really excited about watching Toulouse play more football and play Europa League football, obviously, after winning that cup next year. So shout out to Toulouse. Um, but I think that the most watchable team in Europe this season have been Napoli. Uh, this is oh, been, what a shock! What a shock! <laughs> what a surprise! What a fun! What a ha ha! Um, but yes, I, I think that when you when it comes to it, when it comes to the punch, Napoli have just been fundamentally sensational from start to finish. And I think that with the end of the campaign, with the Champions League fall off with that loss to Milan, with the big loss in the league to Milan, and the fact that they kind of struggled to get over the line a little bit towards the end, people have forgotten just how scintillating Napoli were before the World Cup. And, and you know, equally in, in Serie A, in, in that sort of second spell of the season too. But the way that they started this season, the way that they tore teams apart in the Champions League, watching Kvalatskelia and Osimhen in, in full flow together, watching Angisa burst through midfield, watching Kim Min-jae, literally step up and become one of the best centre-backs in Europe in his first season in a top-five league. Even the likes of the old guard, you know, Gio Lorenzo, Mario Rui, who had a really weirdly good season. Um, they were just great to watch, great fun, um, watching all, all sorts of, of bits and bobs come together, seeing them score bangers from distance, seeing Laboca sort of ease himself into that number six role and become one of the best in the world at it. it it's just been brilliant to watch from start to finish. And Napoli going and, and winning the Scudetto for the first time in 33 years, on top of everything else, I think, puts the cherry on top of this cake. The most watchable team in Europe, the best side to watch in full flow, Napoli. Mm. I feel like yeah, I didn't I watch enough of them. That's my problem. I didn't see enough of Napoli, and I feel like I've, I've missed it. You missed it now, mate. Spalletti's, Spalletti's gone. It's gone. Like, this is a, this is a genie in a bottle season where it all it all came together in outrageous circumstances as well. Given the given the the, the players they lost over the summer, it was glorious. Uh, and as Jack says, it's just been like, yeah, it was just brilliant. So you, we won't see that again, mate. We we'll have to. Um, we'll get you. We'll get you it on tape. Yeah. We'll get you a yeah, VHS. yeah. If you send me a, a video of the season, um, that'd be great. I'll watch that. See, in bed. Season review VHS twenty twenty two. Why don't you write goals to Why don't you write to, Na write to Napoli and see if they'll send you a DVD for the season to try and come? There you go. Pretend you're <laughs> your Dylan. Write to. <laughs> Pretend you're Dylan and write to them and be like, "I'm yeah. thinking of becoming Actually, a Napoli that is a great fan. idea. Can you send me a DVD of this season?" Dylan is the way um, into this idea, isn't it? I had you not already to... figured that out that D Dylan was clear? Yeah, I really yourself. thought. No, I was, was just going to say it was earlier. from Dean. Uh, from hi, Dean. Really... <laughs> I went on. I thought it was unspoken that this would all be done via Dylan, your five-year-old. From Dean, <laughs> age no, nine, forty-year-old. <laughs> um, right. Let's go onwards and back to you, DJ, um, for worst decision maker. Yeah, so the worst decision-maker of the 22-23 season was Kalidou Koulibaly. 
Um, he was linked with the Premier League for about three years. Oh. And then he decided to come in the season when Napoli went on to storm Serie A, as Jack has just described. He's missed out on what Jack has just described as like the best football you could basically have watched all season. He could have been part of that. He could have been standing in that defence, watching that happen in front of him. Instead, he was part of the worst Chelsea team in basically 20 years. Um, went so badly. They finished in the bottom half of the table, below Fulham and Brentford, the teams down the road that they're supposed to not even care about. Um, a terrible season for him at Chelsea. And now he's seeking a move back to Italy. Well, to be honest, mate, you should probably stay where you are for a bit and try and settle because Chelsea might be about to become good again. And wherever you go in Italy, I'm a little bit worried that whoever you pick in here might, might be about to have a bad season. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I reckon Kula Valley needs to be careful that he doesn't win this award next year as well. It's a strange old narrative this week, uh, this, this uh, one for, for Kula Valley. But... At the time, I could see the sense in it. Tuchel yeah. was manager. Looked like Chelsea were going to have a good season. There was no reason to believe it wouldn't be. But he's played a part. He didn't settle and he played a part in Chelsea being rubbish. And he really did make the worst decision in the whole of world football by leaving Napoli at the start of last season to join the rubbish Chelsea team that we saw. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. It's absolutely fair enough. Um, I, I can't think of a worse transfer. I'll be honest. I couldn't think of a contender. I couldn't think of any. Lorenzo Insigne. I've got, might a, be in I've this got conversation. A, I've got a worse because transfer. Toronto were dreadful. Um, so Lorenzo Insigne might be in this yeah. conversation. The, the, the Neapolitan yeah, so. yeah, captain leaving Similar his hometown decision. side to go to Toronto yeah, and it true. just being an absolute car crash is, is is right up there with with this one. But it's very similar vibes. Sam, was that what you were going to go for? Or have you got another one? Well, I've got I've got an award for most pointless transfer, which is which is slightly different, of course. Worst is you know worst is different to pointless. Um, yeah. Bali, I, I really I really can't think of anybody who who has who has made a worse decision there. Although let's 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 be clear, like none of us can see the future, none of us expected it to go like this. This is just how life life goes sometimes. But I've got a most pointless transfer for you, and it's my old favourite punching bag, Artur, Artur to Liverpool. Oh, God, absolutely yeah. this pointless <laughs> i mean this this happened this genuinely happened um they paid five million pounds in wages to Artur this year for 13 minutes in the champions league zero in the premier league nothing in the fa cup nothing in the carabao cup but he did get 63 minutes in the efl trophy that's not the carabao cup that's a different tournament and it is worse now he did have to have surgery halfway through the season and he missed a chunk of time. So I do have a little bit of sympathy for him. But then again, I don't have any sympathy for Liverpool because he's a very injury-prone player. He always has. So if the headline is injury-prone player gets injured, I'm not stunned. I'm not shocked. Here's a thought exercise for you. And this is why it genuinely irritates me, right? Because I get it. Like you want, you know, Liverpool needed a midfielder in the summer and they, they ran out of options and, and, and they got Artur in. Oh, it's a loan. It's fine. It's five million down the drain. If Artur had stayed fit, would Stefan Bajcetic have emerged? Ooh. If Artur was taking that spot on the bench, would Bajcetic have got the first team look? I, it's possible the answer is no. And that, is, that underlines how damaging these transfers can be. 
Liverpool panicked. They ran out of options. They possibly ran out of money. And they just thought they needed a midfielder. And they took Artur, who we called at the time, this is an awful move. He's not good yeah. enough to play for Liverpool. He doesn't suit Klopp at all. Why have you done this? This is stupid. We put it in our worst three transfers last summer. And it's proved, mm. it's proved the case. 13 senior minutes. But it runs the risk of not only being a waste of money, but a waste of opportunity for someone like Bajetic. And in a way, Liverpool are lucky that Artur had to, had to miss some time because it did, it did mean that Bajetic was able to emerge and he didn't block the pathway. So I think this, this was an awful move, which it could have gone even worse. Mm. Mm. You're right. That was pointless. You're right. It, it did, they didn't achieve anything from it. No good at all. Five million down the drain, 13 minutes in the Champions League, nearly stopped by Chetich from emerging. It's bad stuff. It's really, really bad, bad stuff. stuff. Yeah. Go on, Liverpool. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. That is, that was, I agree, that was the most pointless transfer of the year. Um, I thought there might be some other ones in here, but I, I'm struggling to think of one with less impact. I've got one honourable mention if you want it. Yeah. I Jan like Bednarek it. went on loan to Villa. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I happened. don't know why that happened. <laughs> he was sent back in January. I there was literally no point in any of it. <laughs> yeah, that was bad actually. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that one didn't didn't go to plan. Jan Bednarak to Villa. I'm sure that loads of teams are screaming. And loads of people screaming at the uh, at their headphones right now, being like, "What do you mean you've forgotten this one?" But I, I am struggling to think of anything more pointless than R2 to Liverpool. So, um, yes, very good, Sam. Very good. Uh, right, my next award goes to the biggest chaos agent of the season. And I would like to hand this award to Girona in La Liga. They oh. finished 10th. Oh, lovely. They finished 10th in La Liga, um, which is brilliant, considering they were, cons- they were pre- promoted by the playoffs uh, from the Segunda last year. Girona have been the absolute epitome of take from the rich and give to the poor. They have taken points this season <laughs> of Barcelona. Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Osasuna, Athletic Club, and Mallorca, which is seven of nine teams above them. They have given points to the likes of Espanyol, Hitafe, Valencia, Amaria, Salta Vigo, all who were involved in the last day relegation scrap. It has been madness. Like, frankly, one of the most bizarre seasons I have ever seen. They have Won games that they shouldn't have won. They beat Real Madrid 4-2 to basically secure the title uh, for Barcelona back at the end of April in a game where Tati Castellanos scored his first league goals for the club. He scored all four. All four in a (laughs) 4-2 win over Real Madrid in April after he signed in August. And this is basically the story of their campaign. They make absolutely no sense. They were knocked out in the second round of the Copa del Rey to Casareño, who basically play in the third or fourth tier of of the Spanish pyramid. They have made no sense all season, but they have been an absolute heap of fun. I have enjoyed watching them immensely, and I'm really, really glad that they are going to be back in La Liga next season. Fair play to Zerona. Sounds like it could have been the uh, Robin Hood Award as well. Yeah, I, I thought they were quite similar vibes, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, this is Good a side that lots stuff. of people like, but there's a lot of low knees in here, right? We've got, there's, I think, of the kind of starting, starting 11 or the players that have come in, there's, there's five, maybe six players here who are 
on loan. So it's going to be very interesting to see if which ones of these are made permanent uh, and, and how they deal with that next yeah. season. But it's been a heap of fun. And I just wanted to give them a shout out because that's definitely the kind of thing that we've gone under the radar and they have been gloriously chaotic. But remember, of course, you know, with the squad turnover, they are part of the City Football Group. So they will find players from somewhere if they need them. They'll be all right. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okie dokie. Uh, Dean, your final award for today is nicest person. Yeah, so <laughs> nicest person. I was feeling very happy when we were like chatting over WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, I'm going to... Nicest person, you know. I, I wanted to. What are we doing? No, when Jack said you won't find these awards at the PFA ceremony, <laughs> on this occasion it's and rightly so. <laughs> no, this is something that should be given out because we should be praising people for being nice. Now, actually, when I thought about this a bit more, the person that I've decided to give this to is so unexpected that actually I'm going to rename it the Most Improved Person Award because. In football, obviously, like when you're especially younger, you know, they give out all sorts of awards just to make sure that more kids are motivated to keep playing and you get the most improved player award. And that's fine because as kids, you, you do genuinely improve and, and you want to strive to get better. Um, this person seems to have become a better person. So the nicest person of 2023 <laughs> is Graham Souness. You didn't oh, see this coming. I you did didn't not see, see it this coming. coming. Now, for those that don't know much about Souness, he is a hardened old Scottish professional footballer who made his name at Liverpool and Rangers uh, in the 1980s. But he's been a pundit for a long time on our TVs here in England and on Sky. Um, he's like to get stuck into people. He's been pretty miserable a lot of the time. He loves to dig people out, especially Paul Pogba. Um, and he, he really hasn't had much fun. Anyway seemed like yeah fine just a, a miserable aging man until recently so he recently left sky uh left sky sports and he's been appearing on on news channels and this is getting a little deep we don't usually go into this sort of territory and ranks but this is why he deserves commending here and he started to talk about a fundraising campaign that he's become part of now the, he's basically part of a charity seeking a cure for epidermolysis bullosa, which is basically easier described as a really rare medical condition that results in like blistering of the skin. It causes the skin to, to blister and tear even the slightest touch. And people that have it, as I say, extremely rare, but it affects your hands and feet or any part of the body. And basically, Graham Souness, five years ago, came across this... Uh, girl she's now 14 who had this case and her life is so miserable and uncomfortable and painful she basically has open wounds over her whole body they have to wrap constantly and there's always part of her that hurts i've watched i've seen on various news channels over the past few months and uh, graham Souness has been on these news channels with tears just running down his face as he talks about her and talks about how he wants to raise awareness of her and how it's basically turned him into a bit of a soft guy. Like Graham Souness did have a soft underbelly between that hard, tough Scottish skin. <laughs> and I like to see this. Graham Souness, after all these years, when he stuck that flag in the turf at Galatasaray um, and he, he caused basically a war across Turkey. Um, yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. Now he's going to 
He's going to swim the English Channel. He's going to try to raise over a million pounds for the charity um, to help this girl and, and the um, yeah this horrible condition that she suffers from. And I was reading this last night a bit a bit more, and it dawned on me. I was thinking, who is my nicest person to be? And I literally was just like, came was flicking through um, a news app, and the story popped up. And I was like, oh yeah, Graham Souness is now a really nice guy. I like this. I like that people are caring even when we think that they're not. And so, as a result of that, Graham Souness is getting the nicest man of the year award. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 willing to accept this. I was I was a bit I was a bit confused when you said it, I'll be honest. Um it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting, but I think that it flies a, in the face of the man you story. thought he was. Yeah, no, um, that's yeah. that's okay. I am I'm I'm okay with that. So fair play. Um, I I think you've done very well there, Dean, and and described that very nicely. Yeah. So fair play to you, and fair play to Sunes nice. for for his work in that regard. Um, right, we're going to change tack a little bit from from niceties and <laughs> go to Sam, whose final award is biggest puncher, and this is not who's had the most knockouts in a game of football this season. Um, it's the disparity, Sam between the players on the pitch and the results achieved? It's close to it. Yeah, I, this is a tough transition. Um, Dean's really sold me down the river here. But the biggest puncher award is actually my, my wife's addition to this conversation. I asked her for I asked her for a topic for an award. I hope this isn't a personal comment on our relationship because punching, when we say punching, usually it means that one, one, one half of the relationship is significantly <laughs> uglier than the other, and the uglier half is punching. So the fact that she came straight out with this is a slight concern. Uh, but what I mean by this in football terms is I try to find the biggest disparity between a player's ability and the team he plays for. So the worst player on the best team. And I'm going to go back to Raul Bellanova, who got on the pitch in a Champions League final for Inter Milan, despite being absolutely <laughs> awful at football. I, I just, honestly, I really enjoyed that final until Raul Bellanova came on the pitch and I was just absolutely distraught. But it, 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 is a, it is a lesson to us all. The dream is never dead. It doesn't matter how bad you are at anything. You can still get to the absolute pinnacle of whatever industry you are in. Because if Bellanova's on that pitch trying to chase down Jack Grealish, then I think there's a future in football for all of us, lads. I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean, that's a big call. A future in football for all of us. But yeah. Who, who well, knows? You have to I be mean, unretired. It, the text. Dude, I know you're the not. The text that Sam yeah. got, I got from Sam. He was like, Raul Bellanova is on. I was like, oh God, oh no, he's going to, I didn't even really notice it was going on. And I was like, oh no, he's going to, he's going to absolutely just go off the handle about this one. So <laughs> I can completely understand why, why he's gone for this. But yeah, definitely something. I thought you were going to go for a team. Champions League finalist. I thought that was going to go for a team and you were going to be talking about a team that have punched above their weight and it was going to be really positive. But the fact is not, nope. it's not. It's just a, a completely nope. negative one to end Sam's tenure. Um, Okie dokie, I'm going to end with best narrative. And I think that there have been plenty of contenders for this. Um, you know, we've talked about Napoli already. Um, we've talked about that the, the year that has, has been for Maradona with the World Cup going to Argentina and the Scudetto going to Napoli and Sevilla winning the UEFA Cup and Barcelona winning the La Liga title. So it's been a hell of a year for Diego Armando Maradona. Rest in peace, big man. Um, but 
generally, I, I think that my favourite story of the season came from the final day in France in Ligue 1, um, where Nantes had to win uh, on the final day against Angers and hope that Auxerre lost a long. Uh, Auxerre did lose to Long. They lost 3-1. And there was one goal in the game, the derby between Nantes and Angers. Uh, and the goal was scored by Cameroonian striker Ignatius Ganago. The only goal of the game. His only goal of the season. The goal that kept them up. And it came just four months after his daughter passed away from a, a long-term illness. And he's been absent for a lot of the season. Um, we, you know, trying to deal with that and, and trying to deal with the emotional repercussions of that but him to come back and score the goal that kept the team up in a, what has been a really really up and down season for not obviously they, they were in Europe at the start of the year and it looked like they were going to be relegated by the end of it um, but I just thought that that moment and, and the kind of feeling of catharsis around Ganaga's goal and what that must have meant for him and for his family I just felt like an incredible moment. So I, I thought that was the best narrative moment of the season. Um, the the moment that's that, quite deep as well. Yeah. We're getting quite deep here. Yeah, well, I, I just really are. liked it two as a story. <laughs> I really liked it as a story. I no emotion in his at all. No, this is going to become a really emotional. <laughs> I just decided to soon. pick on someone. <laughs> yeah, it's all love Usually from two thirds of this podcast. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a nice story to end the season, and to score the goal was was amazing to keep not up. So, um, yeah. Good one, for, good one there. Yeah. Wonderful. I tell you what, seeing as it's award season, I'm going to give a shout out to all the patrons who um, follow us every week on a Monday and a Friday because over there we do a prediction league and it's been going on obviously all season long. And it's me, the, the Jack, the Sam versus the patrons. And every single week over there, one listener uh, gets involved um, and, and chooses the match predictions for the games that we are, are talking about on the Friday. And it's slightly embarrassing to say, but we should probably reveal it to the wider audience today, that the patrons won the league. <laughs> By a distance as well, like not, not close. Uh, I've said it before, I'm only good at long-term predictions. Short-term predictions, I'm rubbish at. Long-term predictions, real yeah. good. I think 21 Jack, out of 21 leagues. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the bag is intact. And I've called the last two major international trophy winners in Italy and Argentina winning the tournament. So I've, I'm starting to realise where my where my fortes lie, I think. Your strengths lie. Yeah. yeah I mean, for goodness sake, do, do not get a column anywhere predicting matches on a week by week <laughs> basis because you are not going to last very long in that contract. But by all means, you could do long term predictions for someone. Absolutely. Uh, mm. But yeah, so seeing as it's award season. Congratulations to the patrons for beating us in the Prediction League. Uh, we're calling the whole thing off now. We're never doing it again, but it was good while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, it was lots of fun. We had a good time. Everyone had a good time. Um, right, after the break, we have one final big award to give out. Those of you who listen regularly will know exactly what that is going to be. And of course, there's the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our final award of this season. And Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Season. This season's Melon of the Season is Todd Bowley. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. When Heck, you put Heck the bear in, is out there somewhere just punching the air. He's absolutely over the moon. Mate. What Todd Bowley has achieved 
in terms of melon status at Chelsea supersedes those three or four foul throws that Bellerin did over the course of the season. Todd Burley was part of a £4.25 billion takeover of Chelsea. He spent over £600 million on players. He started the season with Thomas Tuchel there leading the charge. He ended it with Frank Lampard in the dugout. And in between, he had an absolute nightmare with Graham Potter, who put on this really long contract, was adamant he was going to see it out. They played Real Madrid in the Champions League. He predicted they'd beat them 3-0. <laughs> Absolutely did not. He saw the team finish in the bottom half of the table. Like, that is truly, truly hard to do. He spent all this money. They didn't even have a goal scorer. And the only one they did have, they loaned out to Inter Milan, who got to the Champions League final. And now he's losing Kante, Kovacic, Mason Mount. The whole Chelsea identity absolutely blown to pieces. This man has achieved more in a year of, of turning over a football club than anyone's ever managed to do, but in the completely wrong way. Like, look, he's got a lot of money. He could probably get it back the other way quite quickly because at the end of this summer, he's probably spent a billion pounds. But Todd Bowley, for goodness sake, you are absolutely, undeniably the melon of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I do enjoy disagree, it, is it? Oh, of course. <laughs> I've loved it. Thank you, Todd Burley. The best thing to happen at the bridge. I think you. it's been my favourite season ever. I think uh, it might have been my favourite season ever. Right, right up there. Right up there. Um, it's up there. Yeah. Can, you, can you genuinely think of a person in football who has done a worse job relative to their like, capacity, relative to their remit, than Todd Burley? Like, no, the answer is absolutely not. He's done the worst job anyone has done in football in any capacity this season. Max right? Allegri. Taking Chelsea to 12th with 44 points. You can't, I couldn't do that if I tried. Like, honestly, Sam could have been manager of Chelsea for the whole of last season and 100% pushed the top half of the table. Like, <laughs> yeah, he could have just not even done anything and that team would have finished in the top half of the table. He could have been like, oh, I'm just going to let Aubameyang take it from here. Had he done all the team talks, and they'd have still finished in the top half of the table. Like it's just absolutely outrageous how bad that season went for Chelsea. As I say, as a Fulham fan, I've obviously loved it. Never known anything like it in the entirety of my life. We even got to beat Chelsea, which is a lovely day that I'll always remember. Um, yeah. For any, Chelsea, fan, for any because... Chelsea fans listening, this is the thing. You know, we, I've been talking to a few of them lately, and they were like, oh, "Are you going to rub it in?" I'm like, "Yes," because this is going to happen again for 20 years. So, uh, you know, probably not even then. We, we, yeah. we, this, these are rare. And next year, so... the good thing for Chelsea fans is you get to bounce back from this moment. Like it's been utter garbage, right? It's been as low as you're ever really going to get. I mean, you could. You weren't far off being involved in a relegation battle in the end. Like, that's how bad Frank Lampard did when he came in. He almost threw you towards those relegation spots. Luckily, you just about had enough points on the board before Shout he came Shout out Tommy in. Tuchel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is um, Chelsea fans. It won't go that badly again. You'll get redemption and you'll be able to probably laugh at me in a year's time. Um, I'll be in top Fulham. four next year. Yeah, you'll be oh, top yeah. four and Fulham will be back in the championship. But that's why I'm embracing this moment. You've got to enjoy your highs and your lows and well, your highs in football and ride the lows. Indeed. Indeed you do. You do. And we've got some uh, we've got some bits and bobs to discuss with you as well. Before Sam goes into his gibberish rankings, it's probably worth pointing out that, Sam, this is going to be your last gibberish ranking for a little while. Um, 
going to be changing some things here at Ranks FC. Sam is still going to be part of the podcast. Don't you worry before you uh, stress out too much. Um, but just in a slightly reduced capacity, he's going on holiday, having himself a little bit of an off-season for once, which is nice, after the drama of the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, and then we're going to be back, Sam, but in, in a slightly reduced capacity. Yeah, I'm going to have a summer off. Um, Dean sat there laughing at me. Like Dean's been Dean's been working the, the journalistic grind since he was twelve, you know. Um, so 16. he he can't believe it's fourteen. He can't he can't <laughs> believe that um, he can't believe I've got to ten years in the industry and have decided I need I need a bit of time off. He's laughing away at me, uh, but I do need need a little bit of time. Um, my request for a three month paid sabbatical was denied. <laughs> and so I'm sort of st- <laughs> we don't have any money. We literally don't have any money to pay you for a three month. <laughs> You can have a, you can have a three months sabbatical on your current wages, which are naught. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, that's the one I've taken. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of a summer off, and then I'll uh, I'll return in 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 late August or September, uh, a little less frequently, but I'll still be part of the pod from there. But yeah, a couple of months without me. I'm sure some people are punching the air. Um, they'd be absolutely sick of me. I'm sure some oh, people are punching no, their scre- some be... people are punching their screens, mate. So you've got you know yeah, absolutely furious with this decision. But alas, this is the these are people that these are the moments you have to do, and, and it feels like a good time in terms of taking a break this summer with Euros next summer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's going to be right back at it it's... before you know it. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm expecting a big return. This is the thing. The pressure on Sam now when he does appear on ranks is going to be through the roof. Like these episodes are going to, and the rankings he's going to be going through are obviously going to be like the highest caliber ever because he's going to think of them for over the next two months. The notebook that you're going to have to take over your summer travels, mate, with all the little things that you're going to think of to, to study, not just for this podcast, but in general for ideas to write up. You're going to be, oh, look, Guardiola did it. Guardiola's done it, so maybe maybe that's what you're doing here. You just don't realise it yet. I'm just copying him. I always am, always will be. Isn't it? So desperate to be Pep Guardiola, he's even taken a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't desperate to be Pep Guardiola? That bit I can fundamentally get. I want to be Jack Grealish. I told you that. Well, yeah. Don't we all? Don't we all? Right, Sam. Then for the final time for a while, let's take it away. Wow. Going out big. That was impressive. Well done, Jack. Okay. Come on, mate. What you got? Yeah, I'm going to talk about summertime. I thought you were going to say your worst ever episode. (laughs) 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 I'm going to talk about summertime in England. And I'm going to draw a parallel. So when it comes to summer, English people are like Olaf from Frozen. (laughs) Olaf is a magical snowman who dreams of seeing summer. It's all he wants ever. And he sings an entire song in Frozen 1 about his yearning for summer, apparently not realizing that he, a snowman made of snow, will melt and die the moment summer hits. And that is us, isn't it? That is the British public. Six to nine months a year pining for summer, waiting for it to arrive, and then it hits. And then you can hear our cries of anguish from across the ocean. And that is because this country, frankly, and this this people, not really particularly compatible with summer. And, and to be fair, like in the past, it's been all right. But I invite any climate change denier to spend a week in London in June or July <laughs> to realize that, yeah, no, it's getting pretty damn hot on this planet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the three stages of terror that any Brit 
experiences as we hit summer and it's getting worse and worse as the years go by so step one hay fever talked about this a lot recently so i thought i'd jam it in at the end apparently we're all allergic to summer that's a bad starting point isn't it biologically uh we can't handle it approximately 50 percent of this country has hay fever that is half of us that's mathematics right there i've got it so yeah we've all got it it's it's ridiculous 100 percent of this podcast has hay fever uh, I for those of you type, out and about, so I'm okay. My one ends in eight. Oh no, well, you got fine. I've got the tree one, so <laughs> my, I get I get I get yeah. hay fever really badly from like February to April, and then when everyone else starts to get really badly, mine just goes away. It's great. No, oh, good for you, brilliant. Well, you still went through your pain, just a different oh, yeah, timeline. Time but look, if you if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, and you're out and about, you know, on the tube, on the train, out and about in a park, whatever, look to the person to your left. Look to the person to your right. One of them has a crippling allergy to freshly cut grass that turns them into a sniveling, snotting, shriveled mess. In the moment's instance, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And we've all been wiped out by it. We've all got different types. I just find it crazy. How has this not been fixed? How have we not sorted this out? A, an, an, an allergy to pollen? How Why is evolution not seen to this? Why have our bodies not adapted to the fact that this happens every year? I can't understand. I didn't actually used to have hay fever. I think I've only had it about 10 years. I never used to get it. I get it bad. Yeah, it just, it just onsets at some point. I, think the, I literally the, the come downstairs in the morning and I feel it halfway down the stairs. Hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the pollen cloud that you've got. Yeah. Halfway upstairs. The window's uh, been left open. I mean, so the flip side of that, Dean, is that for some people, it does just magically disappear later in life as well. Like it does. It's sometimes like people get to, like, I don't know, 46 or something and it just disappears and never have it again. Oh, not far off. That's good. <laughs> so there, you go. Forward to. there you go. So step one, hay fever. We're all allergic to summer. Step two, with hay fever wreaking chaos, it's safer to go inside, right? No, mm-hmm. that's wrong. Inside is hot. Inside is really, really, really hot. In new build houses and flats, it's basically just as hot inside as it is out. Maybe actually, maybe it's hotter. Mm. Because houses in England nowadays, and there are a lot of new builds because we have a lot of demand, but all three of us live in very new houses and flats. They're built to retain heat because this is a historically cold country. The whole Mm -hmm. point is that for nine months, it's actually pretty damn cold. So you need to retain the heat. So it makes sense. For nine months of the year, that's really valuable. But at the summer peak, it's basically a death trap. So you can't go outside because you're allergic to outside. You can't stay inside because it's hotter than the sun. And I see the whole world laughing at us for this, guys. I do. I see it on Twitter. But they don't understand. We don't have air con. We don't have ceiling fans. And obviously, we don't have swimming pools. We have no way to circulate air. We have no way to cool down. Once it gets to, I guess in America, it'd be like 88, 90, 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Indoors is just as bad as outdoors. Okay, you're not allergic to your house, but it is just as hot. And unbelievably, it seems like the the way to combat this is to shut the windows and close the curtains. I mean, what a life. It's beautiful, beautiful day outside. The curtains shut and the windows windows closed. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm huddling. I'm huddling indoors. It's absolutely outrageous. I mean, I've 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 cracked. I've absolutely cracked, and we've bought an aircon unit. Yeah, we, we're saying absolutely no more to this. Absolutely no more, mate. I think it's a great investment. You, you dropped this on our WhatsApp chat yesterday, and I was like, "What a wise man!" Like that is wise. Wife. If you see the sort of decisions you're going to be making over the summer, mate, you are in for a really transformative <laughs> stage of your life because that is a very, very good decision. I actually am a bit annoyed 
that the new builds that we've all got don't actually come with air conditioning. Like I think all houses should have the option now of air conditioning. They say, we're building your house for an extra couple of grand. Do you want us to throw some air conditioning units in there? Mm. Yes, I actually yeah. do, because that's going to be extremely helpful. The good thing about um, the houses we've got and the insulation and the way they're built is that my gas bill is about half the price of a lot of my friends who live in older houses. So while yeah. they've been moaning all winter about the fact that their heating bill is about £400 a month, they're like, how much is yours? I'm like, oh, you don't want to know. Like, it's no <laughs> one. <laughs> um, yeah. But they're having the last laugh at the moment because this house is absolutely baking. And yeah, I've got three exactly of the our same four issue. fans are broken. Uh, I've got the same issue, but my fans are currently working. So there is that. Uh, but yes, this house traps heat like a greenhouse, especially the upstairs, which is all glass. So we're uh, struggling with that at the moment. But yeah. alas, alas yeah. this is the issues yeah. that we have. These are the prices we pay. It is indeed. It is indeed. And look, step three, you know, you talk, you talk about things rising there, Dean, you know, energy bills rising. It, it's, it's a, that's a real concern when you're trying to run, you know, two fans every day, like not like a ceiling fan, but like a standalone fan. Like last summer, I think I ran a fan on just 24 seven next mm -hmm. to me in bed. And then I just move it with me around the house, plug it into different outlets. But with the energy bills at the moment, you can't really do that. So Rising prices and things rising is is step three really, but I actually want to key on key in on something a little bit more specific than than energy bill energy bills preventing twenty four seven fans. It's the fact that my classic reprieve here is just to have an ice cream, but even they're expensive nowadays. You've been to the supermarket <laughs> recently? Bloody inflation! Unbelievable! Oh. Is it? Can anyone afford the ice cream van right now? Mate. I definitely no. It's, I saw it's one in the Cotswolds outside the weekend, school. It didn't even stop. That's how bad, that's how expensive things are. <laughs> it this looks is how it You can't afford my shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you're in America, you don't really, you don't really have ice cream vans in the way that we do here. So you might have to look up if you haven't been here to see exactly what we mean by an ice cream van. It's literally a vehicle that drives around, sticks a bit of a um, a lullaby uh, on on it on loudspeaker as it drives down your road, so you know it's coming. And then it pulls over and all the kids run out of their houses screaming, we want ice cream. And you have to go and buy them one. There's one that parks outside Dylan's school every single day uh, from like May to the end of term. And it's just so annoying because obviously they want one every time mm -hmm. they see it. Yeah. He doesn't take card. Nah. Yeah. Doesn't take card. I'm like, why not? <laughs> like, why not? Why would you not take card? I, I never, ever have cash. And he's like, it's oh, he's doing a bank transfer. Evading, evading he tax. He's a bank transfer. <laughs> a, so bank like, transfer. <laughs> a bank transfer. Oh so I'm like, £3.50 to the ice cream man. How <laughs> much How much does £3.50 get you? That's for one, mate. That's that's, that's the thing, man. That's the price. That's the price. Yeah. We've, just done a, we've just done a shop and, you know, I was looking in the freezers longingly. Look, I, I do, I do like, a, you know, I do like a fab, you know, and I mm -hmm. look up, if you haven't seen a fab, you know, for those in America that don't have it, look up fab or mm, knobbly wobbly. They are my ice cream of choice. I, I can't, um, I can't, I genuinely can't afford these ice creams. <laughs> so it's fab. like, it's like, it's like, it's like four pounds for a box of four in some places yeah. right now. It's absolutely insane. So you, you, you tie in, you tie in the energy prices and the lack of fans and inability to cool yourself down that way. Like you tie in the fact that ice creams cost the earth and you're really just having a pretty terrible time because this room is 28.9 degrees according to the thermostat. Like it's just, it's just horrendous, isn't it? Absolutely horrendous. Mm. So long live aircon um, uh, being delivered today, I think. Well, hang on, uh, good, so good. last question on your aircon. 
Last question on your aircon. Do you have to pick one room it goes in? Because my friend yes. one, he can't move it because it's so heavy. So you have to That's pick where it goes. I didn't, I didn't get a system. We got we got a box. A so unit, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna call we're gonna we're gonna call the bedroom down. Yeah. yeah. Sleep is key. Yeah. That's a good idea. I can understand there at any point. Yeah, you can always always return there. So I'm just Are you gonna take it to Canada? Spend my summer in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got yeah. a three floor house. It just stays in one room for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I can buy it. I can buy it. Um, I, I I'm glad yeah. that I eat calippos now because my calippos have are not that expensive still. They're still you can still get calippos mm. for a reasonable price. So I'm trying just... to get Dylan Reese into ice pops because they're like ten p. Oh yeah, yeah, they're yeah, good, yeah for sure. I like I remember them. that? Yeah, cola ones were always fire. That was always the answer. The, yeah. uh, right. the Flintstones had a uh, there was a Flintstones yes. range ice pops yeah. when I was, was. kid. They were fantastic. They had cola oh. flavor, blue flavor, all sorts. Mini milks as well. I quite like them. They were nice, but I didn't like the chocolate Mini ones. Mini milk. They were good. No, no one does. And they're good for and they're good for your ta- calcium levels, I suppose. Probably. Uh-huh. Don't don't Guess don't so. take that as milk? please please nobody take that as, as gospel. <laughs> I have no idea. It just has milk in it. Assumed it as gospel. Um well, I thought that one into the season there, Jack. Exactly. Well done, Mike. I think it's probably time for us to call it a day before we go mad in yeah, this heat. Uh, and all that's left for me to do no is... No wonder Sam wants to leave. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much <laughs> to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. And goodbye for now to the rank god, Mr. Sam Ty. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, lads. I'll see you You have to bang him out, Jack. Bang, bang on something, because it's Jack's, uh, Sam's off for a summer trip. Whee. Wow. Yeah. Tr- tremendous. Go. When you walk out of a newspaper, if you're in the in the industry, you get banged out. Banged out. It. So like on as yeah, as you as you walk out, everyone bangs the table, and as you, as you walk out from your shift, yeah. I'm so excited to see you leave, huh? It's a bit weird. I don't know where that came from, but I have seen but it a few times. Thing. Thing. Um, thank you, Sam, and we will see you when we see you. But enjoy your summer hiatus. Be and, safe. And get yourself relaxed, mm. eh? Mm, for sure absolutely uh, take care of yourselves lads have a lovely summer yourselves i'll be listening along you know i will be on patreon <laughs> um, yes we do yeah. we do indeed he'll be there asking questions dean uh, for our transfer episodes if you do want to get involved <laughs> over on patreon for those blitz transfer episodes the link is in the description to this podcast i've been jack collins this has been ranks fc thank you so much for listening all season long and today in particular we have loads of really exciting stuff lined up over the summer some rotating guests coming in to uh, try and fill the void that sam is leaving behind for the summer and we've got some really cool people lined up to get in on ranks fc so make sure you're subscribed make sure you're locked in this summer as we deal with all the big stories across international football the league's coming back and transfer news as well thank you so much for listening we'll see you very shortly gang take it easy peace at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.